to Cuppa Cubby Blue, your series-by-series check-in for Cubs news, updates, and banter. We're an official podcast of Bleed Cubby Blue, which is part of the SB Nation family of team sites, and you can find us anywhere you get your podcast by searching for Bleed Cubby Blue. You can also find us on Twitter, where we're sharing fun things and content at at Cuppa Cubby Blue. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the Cubs, including their atrocious road record at Bleed Cubby Blue. Hi guys, I'm Andy Cruz Vanasek, and I am currently in a bad place. <laughs> okay, I I have one silver lining for you. Please hit me with it. I need it. You didn't see the Cubs get no hit in St. Louis. Oh geez, yeah. I mean, I how bad would that have been? Like, I I had this moment where I was like, oh my god, not only are the Cubs getting no hit by Jack. Flaherty, like hi, but it's in St. Louis, and I was so worried for you. So, uh, okay, I'm just gonna go ahead and get right to it. I am over this season at Bush watching the Cubs, so I'm gonna make a promise to all of you right now: I will not attend another game at Bush that the Cubs play. I will watch it at home and hope they win. Cause I have never in my entire 20 years of living in St. Louis, 20 plus years of living in St. Louis gone over in an entire season. So if you must blame it on somebody, it's fine. You can blame it on me, but this is rough. Like this is really bad. Um, thank God for the new guy is all I have to say. Cause if it, if it weren't for him, um, I, I may not even make it on this podcast today. Like it was really hard last night. I'm not going to lie. And um, we were there on Tuesday too. And, and that was, that was not fun either. It's just, this is so rough. I hate losing to St. Louis um, as much as anybody, but it's even worse when you live in, in St. Louis and you know, your spouse is also a fan and everybody you work with are fans and, you know, People don't say a word to you about baseball all season, but then when something like this happens, all of a the sudden they're the biggest Cardinals fans in the world. And it's just so aggravating because, you know, people like Sarah and I, who spend a lot of time on baseball and study the game and watch religiously, you know, we're the ones that have the right to say anything. And when people like just decide to come out of the woodwork because they took two of three from the Cubs, it's just beyond aggravating aggravating it is aggravating and it it happens outside of st louis too but i imagine it's super amplified in st louis because i so i have a coworker who is a cardinals fan um and she has not mentioned baseball to me all year until this week (laughs) and i'm like really really you wait till you're like barely in first place for like half a day and now you want to talk baseball i can't so just a little peek into what my life is like here in St. Louis. My daughter's basketball coach um, was late night texting with me last night, talking all kinds of smack to me about the series. And I basically went in on him and I'm like, listen, if you're going to have the cojones to send stuff like this to me, then you better have the same amount of those to take it because I've not said one word to anybody this entire season that the Cardinals have been looking up at everybody all season. I've not said one word to anybody. I don't say anything to anybody around here. Not because I'm scared. I'm not worried about that. Or, you know, I, I'm intimidated. I'm not worried about any of that. Because I, I never know what it's going to look like in a couple weeks. You don't know. You don't play the game. You don't control the game. You don't know what's going to happen. So, like I told him, and I'll say it to everybody else, 
if you're dishing it out, just be prepared to take it because I can almost assure you that this is not how the season's going to end. So, well, let's just start with a couple of notes from game three and I, and we'll work our way backwards. I mean, we're just going to work our way around this series, the series. It, it is what it is. Andy and I, you can tell that both of us are like a little down from this and maybe blah. A, we're blah. We're blah. <laughs> yeah. It's not feeling good right now. Um, but the, so we'll just kind of jump around a little bit and y'all forgive us for that. Uh, but so game three, I was very nervous about this no hit situation. And like you said, Andy, thank God for Nick Castellanos because, or Nicholas Castellanos, I learned from a friend of ours who also contributes at Bleed Cubby Blue and who writes for the Tigers blog, Bless You Boys, that he very much prefers Nicholas. <laughs> so Nicholas Castellanos, um, he is basically the only reason that the Cubs didn't get no hit for two reasons. Obviously he got the hit. So like, that's the obvious reason. But beyond that, he saw like 22 of the first pitches that Flaherty threw. He was the only person having good at bats against this kid. And so if he hadn't been in the lineup, if that spot had instead belonged to, I don't know, no offense to Ian Happer, Albert Almora Jr., but like Ian Happer, Albert Almora Jr., (laughs) I really feel like Flaherty probably would have pitched a complete game no hitter. He wouldn't have had, he wouldn't have thrown any of those pitches and it would have been kind of disastrous. Yeah. And here's the thing, like we totally did not even acknowledge the fact that the Cubs did make some major moves at the deadline and definitely Eh. gave, yeah. Well, major compared, compared to the Cardinals, compared to the Cardinals, (laughs) but compared to the Cardinals, these were major moves. Well, that's fair. The Cardinals did nothing. They did nothing. They continue to do nothing, but here's why. And I, I've talked to a, a couple folks who, um, I, and I'm n- not just talking to regular people in St. Louis. I mean, I obviously I talk to regular people, but when I talk about this stuff, I usually talk to friends of mine that work in sports media here in St. Louis that have mo- more of an inside track than, than I would on St. Louis sports, but they're going to continue to do nothing because they continue to do things like they did last night against a team who did stuff at the deadline. They think that they're okay. That's why they do nothing. They think that they can win with what they have, um, which, you know, uh, I, who, who am I to say they can? I mean, they just took two or three from the, the Chicago Cubs who did, you know, far more than they did at the deadline. So, um, but trust me when I say that their their fan base and a lot of the um, sports media here in St. Louis is extremely frustrated with their front office not making moves. Um but I, I do like what they did. I, I was happy about seeing the new guys last night. I was very happy about seeing the new guys pregame. Um, during the game, you know, there was a couple a couple of moments. Like Kemp had a really good play at second, which I really liked. Um, Castellanos looked a little better in right than I anticipated. Um, I mean... meaning that he picked he picked up a ball and threw it well, um, and he caught a couple of foul balls that you know, Jason Hayward would have made look routine. And for some reason they looked tough to him. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, and would Jason Hayward have made that catch in right field as the right fielder um, probably fairly easily? Yeah, I, yeah. I think he would have. Um, so, you know, and I was kind of, kind of cursing myself last night too, when I, I said, I, I'm, I don't love Jason Hayward in center. He's okay there. He'll do the job, but I love him better in right. And after he made that catch in right center, I was like, okay, never mind. Just kidding. There's oh, probably a 
good reason why we have him in center, and that's because our new right fielder can't cover that ground. So okay, but 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 about that catch because so yes, that was an incredible catch by Jason Hayward. I'm very glad he made it. Nicholas Castellanos almost stepped on Jason Hayward's head. Oh yeah. And I was like, buddy, you got to get out of the way. Like, number one, there's no world where you're getting to the ball that Jason Hayward and Jason Hayward can't. Like, just just know <laughs> that you're not supposed to be there. Right. Stay out of the way. Don't risk stepping on the head of the guy who can make the catch. Right. We, we need you to, like, understand your role here a little bit. Right. Know your role, <laughs> Your dude. role. Know your is, role. I mean, basically, I feel like he's kind of the Kyle Schwarber of right. Right. It's like we know we like your bat and we're glad it's here and we appreciate that you are not going to be able to make all the plays. So Jason Hayward's zone just expands. Right. And your zone is like stick to those corner areas and don't hurt the guy who can make the catches. Right. Right. He's like oh he's like who I picture, um, you know, when it, if you play slow pitch softball, he's like, you know, and you have this big dude that has never played softball really but he can hit the crap out of the ball <laughs> but he doesn't even know how to put a glove on and you just kind of stick him in right field he kind of I kind of feel like he's that dude like you just stay there just stay there and I got this I mean one so we're being a little unkind to <laughs> no, Cassianos's defense he, he really didn't look terrible and disastrous out there but he's not great out there I do want to say one thing that I'm really excited about for Castellanos well I'm excited about two things for him one which is baseball related and one which is personal related the baseball-related thing, Andy and I are both part of a Facebook group where someone shared an image of all of the hits he's had in Comerica Park that would be home runs were it not for the fact that Comerica Park is like this cavernous space that has a lot more space in it than Wrigley Field. And the guy gets like 16 more home runs just by virtue of playing at Wrigley Field, hits that were doubles or flyouts in his old park. And I, I love that. I mean, I think that he's really going to play well at Wrigley, I think that his hit tool is going to improve considerably at Wrigley. And I read a little bit about his numbers and how he's had a bit of a down year relative to his numbers at the plate um, yesterday for the site. But he, I really think those numbers are going to go up at Wrigley, not down. He's the, He very much strikes me as the type of hitter, almost like Daniel Murphy. You know how Daniel Murphy's numbers were always like better at Wrigley than they were other places like I think he's kind of that guy and so I'm excited to see what he can do at this home park because you know what the Cubs need the Cubs need another guy who can play better at home right right let's let's just add to this nonsense (laughs) hey so the other thing I wanted to say and this was kind of um you know I I poke fun at this he did have a couple of nice plays but I rarely give Cardinals players credit (laughs) um but all I can say about Nicholas Castellanos is at least he is not Jose Martinez in right field. That's true. all I'm going to say. That's true. No, that's, I, I agree with that. Um, the personal thing that I was going to say that I learned about Nick Ca- Nicholas Castellanos yesterday, that's going to happen like 15 times. I'm yeah. so sorry. Um, <laughs> is why he picked number six, which I thought was the cutest thing ever. So if you weren't watching the Cubs broadcast, you probably didn't see this interview with him, but he has a six-year-old son. And yesterday was supposed to be their scheduled off day in Detroit, and he was they had plans to go to Six Flags. And so he couldn't take his uh, six-year-old son to Six Flags on his birthday. And so he – but his son was super excited anyway because dad was excited and mom was excited and everybody was excited about this trade. So the son was really being a trooper and, like, super excited even though he didn't get to go to Six Flags for his sixth birthday – 
And so that's why he's wearing number six. And I think it's the most adorable thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that I did read that. And that was that was pretty touching. I mean, how excited are you? You know, dad rolls out onto the onto the field wearing, you know, the, the age that you are. I think that's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was great. So welcome to the Cubs. Nicholas Castellanos, thank you so much for preventing the absolute disaster that would have been the Cubs getting no hit uh, at Bush Stadium. You have saved Andy loads of grief. Um, while we're talking about Cubs losses, let's just also talk about game one in this series. I Look, you Darvish looked good in this game. He threw a bad pitch, one bad pitch, and the Cubs bats could not bail him out. I feel like the you Darvish that we have seen for about the last month to six weeks now is pretty solid and I'm happy with it. How about you? Um, yeah, I mean, th- I kind of feel like this was the you Darvish we thought we were getting when we signed him originally. So I think that we're now that we're at this point, um, what scares me the most is if he has one off game or one off inning all of a sudden everybody's going to go back to forgetting that he's had these starts because he has looked tremendous. He has a different swagger about him now. Like there's just, I just feel like there's a lot more confidence on the mound. He is, I mean, his command is there. His velocity is there just all around. It is. He is so fun to watch. Like, I, I was pretty amped on Tuesday to be able to see him pitch and he looked phenomenal. Um, the one pitch, I mean, even Cardinals fans around us were like, you know, he's, he's tough. He's tough, you know, and I don't know why the ghost of Adam Wainwright was shutting us out or why we could not bail ourselves out of that whole mess. Like I the same reason the corpse of Gio Gonzalez was like unhittable in Milwaukee. I don't get it we used to tee off on this guy like I remember buying tickets on purpose to go watch the Cubs play against Adam Wainwright because it was like going to be a hit parade and now I don't know what set of bats we bring on the road but we need to consider shuffling those around because like seriously I don't know what's going on I I really don't (laughs) I, I I can't decide if somebody put a hex on us or what but this is like ridiculous I I I just No, I was just going to say, I love where your head's at here because my head is in the same place. I was listening to Outside the Ivy last night and our friend Luis Medina was like, uh, they need that Headspace app. They need that, like, they need some meditation. He's like, meditation worked for the U.S. women's soccer team. And I've literally been sitting here, like, holding back on Twitter because part of me wants to throw out, like, the old major league jokes of, like, the bats need hats. (laughs) Like somebody needs to sacrifice a live chicken in the dugout. Yes. (laughs) Like what is going on with this team? Yeah. Whatever it takes. Do you need an animal parade again? A mariachi band? uh, I mean, bring in the clowns, bring in the mimes, (laughs) the jugglers. I don't care if it's a whole freaking circus. I don't care what it takes. Something's got to give here. Like obviously, This, you know, this lineup has star power. There is a lot of, you know, potential behind this offense, but where is it? Like, it can't just go away for every single guy in this lineup. I mean, Jack Flaherty is tough. Don't get me wrong, but he should not have one hit us. There's no way. Not with these, not with these bats in this lineup. I just, I just don't get it. It's so frustrating. No, totally. And it is so isolated to the road that it is like 
what is going on with this team? Do they not like the hotels they're staying at? Like, I, I don't even <laughs> understand what is happening right now. I was looking at this um, for a piece. I, I About this time every year, I write a piece that looks at strength of schedule across all the divisions. It came out earlier this week and sort of who has easy games. But this year for the Cubs, I really had to also look at road versus home. And it is atrocious. It is. Are you ready? Are you ready for what the Cubs home and road winning percentages are? I like, I will never be ready for this. Have a 667 win percentage. That would put them in Astros, Yankees, Dodgers territory. Okay. On the road, the Cubs have a 389 win percentage, which is worse than the Marlins. They are literally the best team in baseball at home and literally the worst team in baseball on the road. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I, I what? Sorry, like I, <laughs> no, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but like, fix it. <laughs> Bring in the yeah. clowns. <laughs> somebody and I, I can't even, I can't even pull it up right this second. But somebody on my Twitter last night said, um, because I basically just had a moment where I needed to vent, and I was like, I'm pissed. This was awful. Somebody find me my silver lining because I can't. So. Somebody on my Twitter said, um, I just completely lost my train of thought where I was going with that. Um, he said, oh, what, I mean, what was the point of adding to this team right before the deadline if the people that we already have here can't do anything anyways? So, which I'm totally agreeing with and I get at this point and it's like, it's just, it's, it's such a head scratcher. Well, you know, I, I, Castellanos fills a need. Kemp adds to the growing collection of second basemen who are not Tommy LaStella, who are not having as good of a year as Tommy LaStella has ha- had. Um, I really wish they would have just paid Tommy LaStella $1.5 million. I, I don't know why that didn't happen. The, But neither of these are impact players like the Cubs have added the last three years, right? Like last year you got Cole Hamels and he wound up being – Oh, OMG, I'm still an ace, Cole Hamels, right? And that's a huge impact. That's a that's a big impact person to put in your starting rotation. Two years ago, they added Jose Quintana. And, and, and say what you will about Jose Quintana or whatnot. The Cubs needed a starter, and they went out and got one, and he was a good one, right? Um, and he's been a solid part of that rotation. And anybody who, you know, has worries about Q and he's not consistent in this, that, and the other thing, I get it. How much would the Brewers like to have Jose Quintana right now as they scramble at the trade deadline, adding like every fifth starter that's possibly available because they have no starting rotation, right? Yeah. And that was who the Cubs kept Quintana from going to was the Brewers. Uh, Before that, it was Chapman. And that was what they needed. They needed a huge closer and they got a huge closer. And I am no fan of Aroldis Chapman. I didn't want him on the team. I didn't want him anywhere near the team. I hated him being part of that Cubs World Series team. But he was an impact player, right? This year, who's the impact? Craig Kimbrell. Kimbrell's your impact. He happened a while ago, right? Like, that's your impact person. They did that move already. They didn't have that move to do at the deadline. The moves they had at the deadline were somehow fix these at-bats to survive long enough to wait for Ben Zobrist and Cole Hamels to be healthy again. And hopefully Brandon Morrow to come in and pick up the pieces of what's going on in this bullpen. 
these players that are here, that are the core, that are the core that Theo wouldn't trade and wouldn't deal on and whatever. And I understand why he wouldn't. I never wanted him to because I love them as much as he does. But like they have to perform. That's what this team needs. Brizzo needs to be Brizzo. Wilson needs to be Wilson. Javi needs to be Javi. That's it. Nobody's coming in to save this team. It is that core that needs to pick it up and play the baseball that we have seen them play for four years now. And they need to get hot right now. And they need to do it at home and on the road. Yeah, I think um, you kind of you kind of hit that more on the nose. Like that's the that's the most important thing is that, you know, there's a lot of teams that would kill to have the guys that we have. And now they just need to start performing the way that they've always performed. Like, I just, I'm not understanding where, where, you know, the offense went. I, I just, I don't understand. And that, I mean, I know we're beating a dead horse at this point because it's, you know, we've been saying the same thing for weeks now, but it's like, and now I feel like it's even earlier this year than we said it last year. You know, and it kind of scares me a little bit, but I also feel like we have plenty of time to get it straightened out and, and get our heads on straight. I mean, you know, going on a a three, four game tear and and winning a few in a row here and there, that's going to help tremendously, especially because while I think our division is tough, I don't think that there's another team that should win this division other than the Cubs. So basically it's in our hands now. It's what we we need to worry about what we should be doing. We can't worry about what the other teams in our division are doing. We need to do what we can do. And and we need our players to, to, to be the guys that they've always been and definitely on the road, whatever needs to happen. They need to do it now because yeah, I mean, they're out of help now. I mean, we're past the deadline. There's no second deadline this year. That's it. This is all she wrote. So now y'all need to figure out what to do with the tools that you have in your shed because you ain't going shopping no more. <laughs> you know what? We actually have only talked about two baseball games that happened so far. However, we're at the time where we need to take a break for our sponsors because there were a lot of things we had to say about the trade deadline and the road Cubs and some other stuff. So we're going to take a break really quick. We will talk about Cubs wins on the flip side, and we will also talk about the Brewers coming to break. And we're back. Okay, so let's talk about game two, which was the game that the Cubs won. Uh, and I, I'm not even going to talk about how they tried to lose this game because I, I want to keep it positive on the side of the break. Um, <laughs> so the Cubs won. Javi Baez did some magic acts. Uh, how? Okay, one of my favorite Javi skills that cannot be measured by Major League Baseball is how he just induces airs. <laughs> Have you noticed this? He this gets is on insane base to me. He's like a chaos generator and he like forces pe- people who would normally be able to make plays to mess them up. And then he scores. <laughs> I like, I really hope that someday there is a way to measure this <laughs> because this is crazy to me. And it would just be, can you imagine being on the other side of this and being like, <laughs> dude, we just got freaking biased again. Like, I mean, we knew it was coming. We knew what he was going to do, but we just got biased again. And he scored I mean, from second on, on not even a play. I mean, it was like it was like he just ran off the base a little bit, and he ended he ended up scoring. Like this he, is just it's crazy to me. He actually ran off the base just enough that you kind of thought he maybe should have been picked off, but he got in the head of the Cardinals players, and they just messed the whole thing up. And instead of being out, he he scored, and he scored easily. Well, it was awesome. 
in all fairness, I don't even know who is playing second base right there. But if he catches that ball, Javi Baez is out. Totally <laughs> like, out. Dead like, to rights. That's an out. Dead to yeah. right. So it, it just, yeah, it, it's it's crazy to me. He truly is a ma- the magician. I mean, he truly is Almago. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's great stuff. And if you've not seen that play, we'll try to find it and tweet it from our at Cup of Cubby Blue account. It's great. It will make your week. It's one of the and and the and the crazy thing about it is it's one of those plays that for most players happens like I don't know once every five years or ten years. Javi does this like every few weeks. He's just like I'm just gonna do a Mago thing now. <laughs> oh God! Can you do uh, the Mago thing to our bats? Yeah, he needs to mago the bats. Uh, yeah. Speaking of magoing the bats, so we need to mago the bats right before the Brewers come to Wrigley. Uh, the Brewers are in Chicago for three games. The Cubs um, and Brewers just saw each other. It feels like it was, you know, two minutes ago. One of the things I don't like about this game, and this is something that happens to the Cubs by virtue of their schedule and the fact that they play a lot more day games than other teams is that, you know, they played a night game in St. Louis last night and now they're going to play a day game at Wrigley Field. And I, I I don't know about you. I mean, I'm a little tired from being up late last night watching baseball and I'm like, oh my gosh, this game starts in like less than two hours. What is going on? You know? Um, so it's funny you bring this up because where I was sitting last night, I actually got my, my tickets from, um, one of my sports personality friends here in St. Louis. So my tickets were actually very good. And we were sitting by um, a Cardinals front office staff member and he's talking about their next game, their next game. And the Cardinals don't play until Saturday. They actually have today off after yesterday, which is so strange to me that you would have a Friday off. That's just so weird. Um, But then I told him, I'm like, yeah, we, we play tomorrow afternoon at home and he did not, he didn't believe me. He honestly thought I was lying. Like he had to pull up his schedule and look at it. I was like, why? I don't, I, I don't think, why would I lie about that? Why would I not be truthful about that? <laughs> like, trust me when I say that nobody is happy about this. This is like, you know, I mean, they literally are playing in like 12 hours. <laughs> like it's crazy. So yeah, it's just, the schedule is just so strange to me, but you know, it, quite frankly, it, it, it you know, it could have been two hours later, as long as we're playing at home, I don't care. <laughs> right. Totally. I'm, I'm very excited that the Cubs are back at Wrigley Field. Um, the pitching matchup. So the Brewers did make a bunch of moves at the deadline to get some new arms. Uh, the Cubs will not be seeing those new arms in this series. They will once again see Zach Davies. Um, Davies has not been great in his last couple of starts, and I'm hoping that Zach Davies is not great in the start against the Cubs. He's allowed 14 runs over his last two starts, so I would like that Zach Davies to please show up at Wrigley Field this afternoon. He'll face Jose Quintana, who has actually been pretty great against the Brewers in his time in Chicago. Say what you will about other starts that Q has had. He has not struggled against the Brewers, so it would be really nice if that if those two trends could continue. I'd be pretty happy about it. Saturday afternoon, Gio Gonzalez, who, I don't know, he's like reanimated himself solely to give the Cubs bats troubles uh, here in 2019, will be facing off against Cole Hamels, who is back from the injured list, and I'm here for it. And then on Sunday afternoon, it will be Adrian Hauser and you Darvish. What do you think of these matchups, Andy? I 
am very excited, actually. I feel like Q always does really well against Milwaukee, and we're going to be home, and obviously his team needs a win. Um, Davies just gave up, I think, seven runs to us last Sunday in five innings. So I'm hoping that he brings out that performance again and maybe our bats can get something going. Um, I cannot wait to see Cole Hamels on Saturday. This is a long time coming. I'm so excited that he's back. I hope that he at least can give us a a few solid innings and we can figure out how to hit Gio Gonzalez. Words I never thought I'd say in 2019. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and then Sunday, I just, again, you know, you Darvish just – right now on a roll and you know he like I said he's just got a whole nother swagger to him a confidence that we've not seen him had him have since he's been a cub and I really just hope he stays on that track and you know his offense can can give him a little you know take a little pressure off and and let him just pitch because I feel like he does the best when he has that opportunity and um you know, he was still late in the game in game one against St. Louis pitching in the in the high nineties. And to me, I'm just loving this. Um, loving that he's got the command and the velocity. And I really hope he just shuts down the Brewers. Yeah, one hundred percent. Uh Cole Hamels, welcome back. You have been missed in this rotation. I know he didn't have the best starts in Iowa. I, that doesn't bother me too much. I feel like when you're – and they talked about this a little bit on the post-game show last night, so I want to give credit where it's due. But they, I feel a little bit like you treat rehab starts differently than you treat a start in a game that actually counts and matters. I imagine that he was just trying to work some stuff out and work some kinks out rather than trying to, you know, burn down the A batting lineup. Uh, that he was facing. So hopefully Cole Hamels comes back 100%. That would be a huge boost to this rotation. Frankly, it, it would be a bigger addition to the rotation in the, a, the biggest addition to a rotation in the NL Central outside of this random Reds acquisition of Trevor Bauer, which that was wild on trade deadline day. Uh, Trevor Bauer. Well, um, not a big Trevor Bauer person. I don't know too many people that are. I don't know if I am excited, entertained, concerned about him being in the central now. Um, I definitely think that it'll make games a lot more interesting when he's pitching. Um, we'll definitely get, you know, a front seat to all of his antics. Um, cause I feel like there's a lot, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. And I, I don't really I don't really get why, like, Yasiel Puig was still in the lineup w- with that brawl. Because while he's fighting the Pirates, he is actually a Cleveland Indian. So I saw that. That yeah. is the weirdest thing. And I haven't heard anybody talk about this. That brawl was crazy, by the way. Yeah. Like, whatever's going on between the Reds and the Pirates is has escalated to, like, out-of-control land. You know, there's always a few team feuds every year, and it's like, whatever. That one is clearly like the most ridiculous one of 2019 and they still have games against each other. I don't even know. Like I, I don't know. Um, yeah, that was weird to me too. Cause I saw Yasiel Puig in there and I'm like, wait, I thought what trade. Yeah. <laughs> and here? They're listing. I honestly feel like that feud goes back to their managers and I feel like, you know, people kind of laugh about this and say, yeah, no, that doesn't happen. But I honestly feel like their managers are the ones that started all this beanball. I honestly do. Um, but that it's crazy to me because when they're listing out all the people suspended from, from that fight, 
they said, you know, it was Cincinnati Red, Pittsburgh Pirate, Pittsburgh Pirate, and then Cleveland Indian, Yasiel Pui. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, listen, if I'm Cleveland, I'm pissed. Like, right. what, what were you doing, Cincinnati? Why was he even still in the uniform, let alone on the field? Totally. No, I totally agree with that. That he should not have been there for that. And he certainly should not have been an active participant in the brawl. But that's kind of, I mean, that is like the story of, Yas- that's like the, the most Yasiel Puig thing ever. Oh my gosh. <laughs> he like 100%. got into a fight as a member of his old team after being traded. I mean, if you were writing the Yasiel Puig story, you would add that as like a detail, you know, that'd be like an embellishment on the story. Um, to get back to the idea that Bauer's in the central now, I, I agree with you. I actually, his antics on social media are just like the most tired thing ever. And frankly, I was reticent to talk about it on here today. Not because like, I think he's coming after everybody on social media, but he has a history of being a jerk on, on social media to people in an outsized way, just kind of randomly. Um, and the people who get that are always like women who dare to criticize him. So I, I don't know. I just think he's kind of a tool. I'm not thrilled that he's in the NL central. I hope the Cubs absolutely wreck him every time he comes and pitches against them. I'm yeah, he's not my favorite. When I, when I talk about him on um, Twitter and this might just go as a forewarning since he is in the central now and we, he probably will be coming up more in our conversations. I never use his name ever because he, he is one that will go search his name and come find you. I am not joking. I am not, this is not at all. I I'm not playing like he does this. He legitimately the beginning of the season went in on some gal that made some remark about him using his name. Didn't even tag him or anything. Just used his name. He went out and looked her up and like went in on her and had like a two day feud with her and the people that were backing her. It was absolutely nuts. And and she wasn't like a sports writer or anything. She was like a normal Twitter account with like 160 followers. And she just happened to be a fan of Alex Bregman. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like what? Yeah, she's just an everyday person that happened to use his name. So just a word to the wise, if you don't want to engage with his behavior, I would recommend not using his name if you're going to tweet about him because he will actively search for people that use his name and he will start a Twitter battle with you. I'm just saying it's it's happened and I would not be surprised if it happens again. It's just it, his behavior is just... I don't know. It's, it's so concerning. It's, it's not quite adult behavior. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just, it's very, he's a very different individual. He's not somebody that I, I, I want to really have anything to do with, to be quite honest. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. The not quite adult behavior thing. I think you're right. It reminds me of high school, you know, like when somebody said this about so-and-so and da 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 and all of a sudden it was like a drama for two days or whatever. Right. Uh, he does that. But like as a major league baseball athlete and on a social media platform with hundreds of thousands of followers, and it's just kind of strange. Very strange. Um, so back to the Cubs who are playing the Brewers. Uh, one last thing to look at, to keep an eye on for this weekend as Milwaukee comes to Wrigley. A cup, the same people who were hot when we played the Brewers like last week are still hot. They're actually, they've cooled off a little bit. So that's something to be excited about, I guess. Um, 
Keston Hira is slashing 310, 408, 619. And yes, that is worse than he was doing when we played them last week. Uh, Christian Yelich is still Christian Yelich, but he's coming off a bunch of games at home. So I always feel like his numbers are a little bit inflated when he's coming off some games at Miller Park. Uh, and Yasmani Grandal has been really solid in the last two weeks. Is there anybody else you're looking out for on this Brewers team, Andy? No, I was, um, I did notice and I did, this kind of piqued my interest when it happened, but they did trade away, was it Aguilar? Yeah, um, who is kind of notorious for being a cub killer. He's, he had done well against us. Now the last couple series, he was not doing quite as well, but the beginning of the year he was, he was hitting very well off of Cubs pitching. So he is no longer on the brewer. So that is, that is a, a welcome relief there. One less bat we have to worry about. So, um, you know, I just kind of, I like, um, I like playing the brewers at Wrigley, um, for whatever reason, I feel like there's not really any advantages for the brewers as like i feel like there are at miller park if that makes sense um yeah it's i just i kind of like to see them come back down to earth and i feel like that happens when they're away from miller park so i feel like we have a good opportunity to come off of a really rough um you know road series road trip and um and, and get a couple of good wins. Uh, you know, our pitching is definitely setting us up that way. You know, we just, our bats have got to, to pull their weight and right now they're not. So hopefully they can figure it out. I think being in front of the home crowd will definitely help being back at Wrigley will help having some new faces on the team, you know, just maybe a new um, energy about it. And we didn't even mention that Ben Zobris is, is going to be gradually making his way back to the team. Hopefully fingers crossed, everything goes. Okay. So there are a lot of things, positive things that we can use to, to get us excited about this. But I think all in all, what it comes down to is we need to just go back to winning some baseball games. Yeah. I want to, I want to spend, let's close out on the Ben Zobris note, by the way, I have been pretty vocal about my feelings that I think Ben Zobris not being in the dugout and in the clubhouse has hurt this team. I understand that he wasn't playing particularly well at the start of the season when he was clearly going through a lot. Um, I, cannot wait for him to rejoin this Cubs team. I think that he adds an element of leadership and just experience that is so important. And I know, I know they're not that young anymore, but they are still young players. And he really is part of the character and heart of this team and losing him really marked the start of where the Cubs went from being a clear front runner team with a clear front runner record to kind of a 500 club. And so I want to see what happens when he is back in the mix. He is scheduled to join Iowa. I think today, right. Am I, am I South Bend? He's going to be at South Bend and he's going to DH today. South Bend. Thank you. Um, And I'm really excited about that. I know it's going to take some time for him to come back. I imagine they'll try to time it right with September call-ups when rosters expand, come back Ben Zobrist. This team needs you. We'll, we'll hold it down and keep in first place. And then you can, you can bring us in for September, please. <laughs> I mean, I just think overall, yeah, I mean, definitely all of that. I've seen a couple quotes today from people like Chris Bryant and Anthony Rizzo, just commenting on what he means to the team and what, you know, having his place on the team be empty, so to speak. Um, you know, a couple things when he left, there was a couple of um, moves that the Cubs made that I kind of feel like I don't want to say brought the team down, but definitely did not put the team at the level it was at 
in the clubhouse as far as Ben Zobris is concerned. So you go from having somebody like Ben Zobris who is, um, you know, very motivating and somebody that everybody looks to as a leader to then him leaving the team, going through something that everybody knows that, you know, it's not easy for him. And then bringing in somebody who is not really, you know, somebody that is a good teammate, I guess you could say. You're for talking about Addison Russell. We'll just, like, I don't want to say his name. I'm not saying his I, name. I get it. I understand. Um, but like, and I'm, but yes, I, I, I don't even, I don't even like to say their names in the same sentence because they don't belong together. So, um, yeah, it, it just, to me, it, it, that was, I think probably what we will look back as the turning point, the turning point of this season. I hope that there is a second turning point and we can figure this thing out and get it right. And, and, you know, run away with this division at some point and maybe not run away with it, but you know, win the division would be key. Um, but Zobris is such a huge part of that, whether it's even just him coming off the bench every few days, but having him in the clubhouse, in the dugout, on the field with these guys, I think is so important. So please, please come back to us. And, you know, thank you for going through everything you went through and making sure everything was right in your world before you did that, because that is, you know, a hundred percent that is most important, but these guys need you. We need you. <laughs> come on back. Yeah, I I, I like what you just said at the end there because I feel like there's been a bunch of people who have been, I don't know, kind of judgy that he got time to work through some personal issues and that that's not a thing that other people would get or whatever. First of all, it is a thing people should get. Like when you're going through a huge life issue, a huge stressor, a huge life change, I wish more employers would give people that time and space to work through it. It would make the American world and life such a better place because it's just hard to be at the top of your game when you're dealing with that type of stress and that type of life change. But him sort of trying to push his way through that and doing it unsuccessfully would have been worse than him making sure he gets everything right and coming back at the top of his game. So I'm really hoping that that's what happened, that he got the space that he needed and that his comeback is, that that it is the right time for his comeback. Yeah, I mean, and people forget, these guys are still human, you know? I mean, he's still you know, has a family and somebody that he thought he was going to be with for the rest of his life, you know, his partner in life and everything else. And obviously he's a professional athlete. So he's very much under the microscope as far as what people know about him and his life. And, you know, so yeah, I totally commend everything that he's done. I honestly didn't think he'd come back. So I am very happy that he's making his way back. You know, I'm glad that things happen in life. You know, everybody goes through their own stuff and he clearly has he he's he knows what's important in his world and he's dealing with it in that order and if he's making his way back to the Chicago Cubs then obviously that is still important to him to be a baseball player so you know come back and be that guy as long as you can and hey you know what next year just come back and be in the dugout as a coach how about that because we still need you <laughs> I know totally I want I'm like can Zobris and Rossi just hang around like just be there like you know that could be your job is just to hang out that would be awesome. Exactly. I am I am the um assistant hanger outer and David Ross is the is the he's the the main hanger outer. I like it. The hanger outer. Theo, get it done. Um so one last note and then we're going to sign off. This is a little bit of an extended issue uh, episode cuz we had so much to talk about with the trade deadline. Um the John Baker Day, our friends from the Sun Ranto show and inside the Ivy are hosting uh John Baker Day on Saturday at the G-Man Tavern. I will be there as part of a podcast panel um, that we'll be, we'll be talking about some everything Cubs 
uh, there at G-Man. And there's a ton of great items for auction. Your ticket uh, proceeds go to support and help a domestic violence shelter here in Chicago. That was what John Baker wanted those proceeds to go to for this particular event. So if you're in the Wrigleyville area on Saturday and you don't have a ticket yet, check it out. You can get your tickets at johnbakerday.com. And yeah, come say hi at the G-Man Tavern. We'll be there all afternoon. It's it's sure to be a great time. Uh, we will be back on Sunday with a new episode of At Cup of Cubby Blue, looking back at what went on with this Brewer series. And we'll carry you into a couple of games against the Oakland Athletics. Until then, have a great weekend. Bye. <laughs>